When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy. Never miss an episode including expert analysis, the best tips, reviews and interviews with racing's biggest names by clicking follow on Spotify. Some big stable tours coming your way in the next couple of weeks as well. Some big interviews too, just like the one we had with Oshin Murphy on Monday, which was played out on TalkSport today. Thank you very much, Lee McKenzie and the team for that. And if we're going to look at... The return of Cheltenham and the return of the road to the likes of the Tinkle Creek, the Betfair Chase, King George at Kempton, getting excited already, Dublin Racing Festival, never mind the fact that we have the Leopardstown Christmas meeting as well, and Cheltenham itself, you gotta bring in the main man, Paul Ferguson, author of Weatherby's fantastic book, Paul Ferguson's jumpers to follow which by the way Paul has gotten off to a sensational start it's good to be back and not forgetting the return of Aintree on Sunday of course of course of course of course of course of course we wouldn't forget that we wouldn't (laughs) forget that Uh, but you must be thrilled that uh, jumpers to follow has gotten off to such a strong start yeah it's great it's always nice to get a couple of winners on the board obviously this um, at this time, you feel a bit pressured if, if, if the first couple come out and get turned over. So the, the first five leading prospects who've, who've come out and run of all one. So uh, see how long we can keep that going as a run tomorrow with Cheltenham. So hopefully you'll make it six from six. Okay. Well, here's how you find out who that runner is. And it may very well be that Paul drops a dime, to use a prison term, and gives, a, <laughs> gives it away. Uh, but if you want to find out who Paul's jumpers to follow are, if you would like to read the insight that he gets from trainers, the views that he gets from um, in Ireland across the sea, his interview with Chivley Park, uh, all the latest news from the French graduates, point-to-point graduates, and uh, views from top jockeys as well who are giving their personal views on horses to follow for the season. If you want all that and lots more, Head to Weatherby's, weatherbyshop.co.uk. If you are like me and you want the digital edition, which is what I have right now on the MacBook and indeed on the on the iPad as well for that matter, uh, then you can purchase your digital edition. If you want the book, if you're old school, nothing wrong with that. If you'd like the bundle, there is a final furlong podcast gravy train code, which Paul is going to reveal to you right now yeah the code is jtf21ff all capital letters and that gets three pound off any the book the digital or the bundle so jtf ff21 no jtf21ff see even i'm getting it wrong jtf21ff is that all capital letters it is. That's the one, yeah. Okay, so the number 21, JTF21FF, and get yourself a discount on one of the most essential pieces of content that you will need for the jump season. Uh, we'll start at Cheltenham on Friday. We're going to cover a, a few races very quickly. We'll start with the 2.30. Uh, Squareintheair.com, Novices Chase. we got third time lucky. Uh, with the first time Windop, obviously his form ties in with Belfast Banter and uh, very cleverly and very very closely with him from Cheltenham and Aintree last year where he was sent off favourite to turn the form around with him at Aintree but Belfast Banter wasn't having any of it and crushed him. Um, and there's a horse that I really like in here called Fidelo Vallis. I think I got that right. Well, let's just pretend that I did. Uh, for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden, one of the reasons I like this horse so much is that he's going to get his conditions. Unlike Newton Abbott that we were covering on TalkSport 2 today, the ground looks like it's going to be good for the weekend. It should hold up that way for Cheltenham. Uh, so he gets his good ground. 
And while I don't expect him to be a superstar, he has experience of jumping fences already. And I think he can take the beating here, uh, particularly when he's the the bigger price of the two. Um, but you're the expert. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I certainly think experience is going to be key. This this is going to be the last time that Fidelio Vallas can run in a novice chase. He's only actually a novice until the end of October. Um, so don't envisage him coming out again. Um, obviously, he's got experience on the side. As you say, he's run six times over fences already. Um, but with that, he has got to give eight pounds to a couple of nice prospects, I think. So it's, it's just a case of um, whether third-time luckies is, can perform up to the level of his hurdles ability on his chase debut. And I'd throw any news into the mix as well. He, he was a smart hurdler last year. His form tailed off a little bit, but he started the season well. And I thought he ran well. I was at Warwick today. He ran um, and he travelled best in a novice handicap chase. Just looked like he, he might come on for the run and maybe needed that shade. So um, I think those two are interested in getting £8 off for Dalio Vallas. But I think if there's a horse in the field who's going to turn into a grade one novice chase out of this um, five, I think it's definitely third time lucky. So um, he could just just have a class edge. Yeah, and defeat here will not preclude him from going on to bigger things. But as you said, he is getting weight from Fidelio Vallas. I'm just going to put my trust in Paul Nichols and his form that um, the horse's experience is going to help out here. But a um, couple of interesting ones from you as well. Uh, any news to go into the mix as well? Uh, we'll move on then to the second race that we're looking at, which is the 888 Sport What's Your Thinking Novices Hurdle. Uh, Gordon Elliott is sending over quite an army to Cheltenham over the weekend. It was nice to hear US trainer Kerry Bryan and uh, US racing expert Megan Connolly making their debuts on the Final Forum podcast on Sunday, talking about just how warmly received Gordon was when he turned up in America. And um, Davey, of course, back from injury as well. So I would very much be keen to just let's move on. You know, he served his time. Let's move on. And um, I think he's going to have a chance of, of some winners uh, at Cheltenham over the weekend as well, um, particularly on the Saturday. It's a real shame that he's taken out the horse in the first because I think he would have taken an awful lot of stopping. But are Pioneer Racing, the owners, are they going to have the winner here or is it going to be Ian Williams' Dragon Bones? Because for me, it's between those two. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a particularly outstanding novice. It'll probably just the kind, the kind that you'd expect for this time of year. Obviously, some of these races... Uh, you've got horses like we just touched on with Fidelio Vallas who are um, carrying over their not a novice status from last season. And so, so it's experience can be can sometimes be key this time of year. Both of those who you've mentioned have got um, experience on the side. Um, of the pair, I'd probably just just favour um, the Mare Dragon Bones, to be honest, out of them too. But um, again, another one I'd throw into the mix here. If if, if the eight went to post, I could see him running well at an each way price possibly. Um, on a gathering storm for Fergal O'Brien. Again, he's got a bit of experience um, from the back end of last season. He finished uh, runner-up in a decent novice early. He talks to behind a good horse called the Edgar Wallace horse I like for this season, going over fences for Kim Bailey. He then went and won his maiden hurdle at Warwick and he ran in a three-runner race at Aintree. I seen him that night. It was an evening meeting during May. Uh, it was a bit of a non-event really because his only main market rival came down fairly early so he didn't really have to... Um, it was a bit of a canter around for him. So, But I think... Say can't really judge him too too much, and that was stepping up to three miles. Certainly, suits them, and, and he was a horse that I liked physically when I see them in Fergal's yard throughout the summer. So um, he'd just be one I'd, I'd have my eye on. Hopefully, if, if the eight goes to post, but just looking, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think it would be the strongest novice hurdle to take forward going into the season proper. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Uh, we're going to be talking to Fergal O'Brien next week. There's a spoiler alert for you, uh, so we'll get more insight from Fergal uh, and his new venture uh, as well, which is pretty exciting. But um, on a gathering storm with Paddy Brennan in the saddle as your each way selection, uh, I would side with you with Dragon Bones. I think that she's the one that they're going to have to to beat. We'll briefly mention the three forty, primarily because final Furlong podcast legend Danny Kerwin is running and uh, got the job done back in May at, at Wing Canton. Um, but can he get the job done in uh, a limited novices handicap chase, uh, first time over fences after a wind up? Uh, he's a horse that's always promised so much, hasn't he? He was, he was mightily impressive when he won his point-to-point -point, um, back as a four-year-old. Then he came out and won uh, his bumper at Kent and he bolted up that day beating Pim. He was sent off favour for the grade two at Aintree. That was back in 2018. Things haven't really 
gone completely as planned. That first season over hurdles, he was, he was second to Angel's Breath um, in the Kennel Gate one day. It was a bit of a farce of a race, to be honest. Because I think, if I remember rightly, most of the hurdles were taken out, so that's right. It was almost like another um, bumper. He obviously had a, another small setback before returning um, last season. Looked like he needed his reappearance, then he got off the mark. Ascot again. He, he, just looking at his profile, he probably hasn't been he's clearly hasn't been the easiest to um, keep sound because uh, he's had a couple of breaks in his in between his runs, and he is he's a huge horse. But I I think. I've always looked at him and wondered if there was an issue with his wind. So I think if there's a time to catch him, um, I'd expect him probably to go well. I think, say, with his um, somewhat checkered past in, in terms of consistency and amount of runs we've seen him, I would imagine that Paul's got him fairly wound up for his return on the back of a wind up. He did jump really well when he won his Irish points to points. Um, yeah, so I think he's a player. So there's only five going to post it, but still a, quite a trappy little event. Um and I think there's a couple of newer chances, but you say he's certainly one of them, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that if you're going to back him this season as a final front podcast legend, then now is the time. First time after a wind up, first time out, let's go. Uh, but yeah, I think the only thing I'd wonder maybe is going, sorry, I was just wondering if it, Cheltenham might be his track necessarily be his track maybe, mm. maybe he wants a flat track just the way he goes through his races but as you say I think if, if there is a time to catch him it might well be this time fresh and with the, on the back of that window that's a fair point to make would the uphill climb of Cheltenham and the undulation suit him who would your overall selection be? Um, if I was forced there was a couple in that entry stage a couple of horses that I was slightly disappointed that they didn't make the cut so um, of what's left I quite like Annual Invictus um, didn't think he'd done much wrong he was quite progressive last season as an office hurdler and he struck me as always who wants to go back up to two and a half miles. Didn't do much wrong at all. On his chase debut, he actually bumped into um, Favois, who tops the weights and tops the market for this race tomorrow. Um, at your topster over the minimum trip, but Annual Invictus was staying on all the way to the line. Um, and I know Favois won over two and a half, but I think I think it will suit going up and triple Suzanne Annual Invictus more. And with a little pull at the weights, he's, eight, he's got eight, getting eight pounds from him um, tomorrow. I think Chris Gordon's also might be able to turn the tables. Okay, so keep that in mind. Annual Invictus, Chris Gordon, Tom Cannon. Uh, from what I can see, you can get five to two right now. And as um, as Paul was saying, Favor is your five to two joint favorite as well. But I'm keeping the fate with Danny Kerwin. One last roll of the dice in the lucky 63. Let's go uh, to Saturday. And obviously, we're going to start with the flash. No, of course we're not. <laughs> of course we're not. We're going straight to Cheltenham. I should point out that as I was doing the pre-production with Paul, I was saying, um, look, there's a, there's a few flat races that I want to mention towards the end. And he's like, oh, no. And then he goes, well, to be fair, I suppose we should mention the group one at Doncaster. So even Paul Ferguson, jumps racing legend. And hardcore jumps fan wants to talk about the Virgin Fraturity on the final furlong. So we'll we'll get oh. we will we'll get his thoughts on that. And I'm not I'm I'm not gonna let you come along and say I don't want to. I just feel like we should. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You 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 singled it out. Uh, Samba Dancer for our friend Fergal O'Brien is um, second favorite here behind uh, a smart looking recruit for Paul Nichols having his second start. Well fancied on debut. Um, coming over from France and uh, and got the job done quite well. What do you make of the the opening race, the NHS vaccinating heroes, conditional jockeys, handicap hurdle? Uh, yeah, I think Samaru stands out like a sore for me, to be honest. I know he's a short price favourite, but I think if there's one horse in this field who's uh, has pretensions of stepping up in grade in time as he gets a bit older, um, it's certainly him. So yeah, I was quite positive about some readers in the book. will see that um, he was also, I was really taken with the captain and with his sole victory in France. He, he only won run once in France and he won quite easily um, on that occasion. Uh, and interestingly enough, he was he was obviously positively ridden in a weak enough race at Kempton at the back end of the season on good ground. It was completely the opposite in France. It was heavy ground and he was held up at the back. So he's obviously versatile in terms of ground um, and um, running style. So... Uh, I think it, I think it was just a case of he, he he was the best horse in the race at Kempton, so keep it simple. But that the, the main thing to take out of both of his hurdle starts so far is how fluent he is at his obstacles. Um, and I actually thought he might have been one who would be considered for four year old chasing under the allowance, such was the is 
how impressed I was with the way he jumped. But uh, I suppose after just the two runs, it makes sense to have another season over hurdles. Uh, Logan Williams was actually on board when he won at Kempton, so perhaps this conditional jockeys race has been in mind for some time, maybe. So Logan could maintain the partnership. Um, I don't think any if the ground eases a little, I don't think it'll be an issue. As I say, he's won on heavy in France. Um, it's a case of whether you think he, he really should be 132 um, at this stage. I don't think his form amounts to much just to say that anyone could say he's particularly well handicapped by any means, but sometimes it's a case of um, impression and feeling if you get about a horse. And uh, I just thought he looked like a potentially smart sort of Kempton. Um, and for all, it was a bad race, the third chives he was beaten 25 lengths has won three times since and has now rated um, 115 I think for Nicky Henderson so um, that would have you that would have you believe that he possibly is on a fair enough mark and if he just dug a little bit back into his French form earlier on the horse he beat uh, Angers or Angers I'm not going to try and pronounce that um, the horse he beat there then went to Poe and chased home got much close to a horse called Il Rodoto who recently made his debut for Paul Nichols in a novice handicap chase at Newton Abbott. He was beaten off a marker one three three, but looked as though he needed the run and will come on for it that day. So all in all, I think his I think his rating's fair. I don't think the handicap has taken any chances by any means. But um as I say, in terms of a horse to take out the race, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing him. There's a couple of bigger prices who who will will touch upon shortly, but um yeah, I'm quite excited to see him to be honest. Well, Paul Nichols has won this race twice in the last six years, so it's obviously a race he targets. And uh, as you said, Lorcan Williams retaining the ride, it's probably part of the plan to allow him to unleash in the conditional jockey circle. And the fact that you're excited to see him means that that 9-4 to four may not hold up much longer. The 2.20 is the 888 Sport What's Your Thinking Handicap Chase. That's a recurring theme with 888 Sport, isn't it? Sandro, are you just taking the same names and throwing them out there? I, mean, I don't care, it's fine with me. Uh, there's going to be a bit of emotion in the sense that we'll see Trevor Hemming's colours uh, in action for John John Neal in the shape of cloth cap um, after I think this is the first time we'll see his, his uh, silks on the track since his, since his passing, but particularly at Cheltenham where he enjoyed some great success and of course some real tragedy in the form of many clouds as well. So um, I'm sure there will be a lot of respect paid to him on the day. Uh, when you look at this race overall, it's it's wide open in terms of the betting. How do you break it down? Uh, I'm, it's nice to see Cloth Cat back. Um, he finished third in the race last year off a much lower mark when looking like he needed the run. So I would expect um, that this one will put him spot on for his whatever his next objective may be. Personally, I just think off 156 and top weight. Um, he might struggle a little on Saturday. So, um, but to, and to counter the arguments, that I don't think there's a throw on in the race this year at all. Like so, um, I'd be just looking a little bit further down the weights. So the two I came down on, firstly one I thought, and just looking at the markers, I'm not surprised to see his favourite. I think he's pretty solid. The Storm Control, um, mm. who comes out of Kerry Leisure, Kerry's in red off form at the moment. She had two winners this week from two runners. She's actually only had four runners since I think it's August or September and all four have won um, and she's, she's got a nice horse end to the banger next week so taking out of that a few runs Black Poppy he's one I'm looking forward to but um, back to this race Storm Control has actually dropped to a mark of 137 which is the same rate in which he won off at the December meeting last year he won two races at Cheltenham last year at the November meeting at the December meeting um, he's back down to his last winning mark so with the yard in good form he does normally take a run or two to um, get himself fit but I think that stable form will probably counteract that and expect him to go well and surely he'll give you a good run for his money but um, just below him is a horse who I've followed for a good couple of years now Manella Bobo he was actually one of my leading prospects a couple of years ago when he missed the whole season I was looking forward to him as a novice handicap chaser he returned after 551 days last year um, couple of, took him a couple of runs to, to, to get back probably get his fitness back and get his sharpness back but he was back on song and in winning form at Hereford in February um, and after heading to Newby then he bounced back again with another good performance of Fox last and he really bounced off the decent ground so I think he'd be one who probably wouldn't want too much rain um, good to soft ground to be perfect for him it's obviously a big it's another step back up in class from that uh, Fox last race that he won back in May but he won that with tons and he's gone up £12 
Um, but he's, he's also who I've always thought could land a nice handicap chase. And even though it seems like he's been around for years, he's still only eight. So, um, and he had relatively few miles on the clock. So I could see him going well for Rebecca Kirsts. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're basically looking at Kerry Lee and Rebecca Curtis here. Uh, can you remind Final Furlong Podcast listeners of the Kerry Lee horse to put in their horse trackers? Uh, yeah, Black Poppy. He won a bumper a wide margin by a wide margin at Warwick at the end of last season. Um, he's one of my horses to follow. And he, uh, he did miss an he had an entry last week at Yatoxa when the ground was still quite quick. He's entered at Bangor on Tuesday. So um, if he takes up the engagement there, Take note. Absolutely. Uh, that is Kerry Lee and Richard Patrick uh, teaming up with Storm Control, but watch out for them on Tuesday as well. And Rebecca Curtis, Manila Bobo. So if I was to push you for to pick one over the other, who would you side with? Yeah, at the price, that looks up you back in Manila Bobo there. All right. I'd probably stick with Storm Control, but I can completely see where you're coming from. Uh, Tritonic is back after running at the Cheltenham Festival and not quite delivering on his promise. Uh, They tried him on the flat and that didn't really work out too well either. So he's a short price favorite, which means I'm quite keen to take him on. That being said, the horse that I'll be taking him on with is Stepney Causeway, who's running for Dan Skelton after a first-time wind-up. Dan Skelton, first-time wind-up, what? And has a whole boatload of ones beside his name. However, is this a good opportunity for Alan King and Adrian Heskin to get Tritonic back in the winner's enclosure? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think looking at entry stage, it looked like it was good, could be a match between Tritonic and Zana here. Now, obviously, Gordon's decided not to send Zana here over. I think he goes to Down Royal um, next Friday instead. So yeah. um, you'd hope so. You've got to give, you've got to give eight pounds away. Stephanie Corso was obviously well beaten in fifth behind Tritonic on, on their respective hurdle and debuts last season at Ascot. Um, Stephanie Causeway has obviously improved since then, um, but does want good ground and perhaps a flat track. He's going to go off from the front um, and catch you, catch me if you can style. Yeah, I think he would probably get an easy lead as well. So um, it'd be it'd be silly to let him. It'd be dangerous, sorry, to let him get get too far and give him too much rope. But um, yeah, if, if this is the kind of though, so I, I wouldn't be backing at a short price Tritonic. But if you if you want one of these, where you want to see Tritonic win because. Last year when he won the Adonis hurdle, he did look like he had the potential to make up into a really classy hurdler. So um, it would just be from a purist point of view, it would be nice to see him back on track and do it. But you, you would have a slight concern at that. that Adonis wasn't the strongest um, race by, by any standard. So um, John Locke, who finished fourth that day, runs in a maiden hurdle and did the, the end of tomorrow's card. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, another Dan Skelton also, I think, has had a wind up since we've last seen him. So... Um, but Tritonic, yeah, say he's the one in there um, with the potential to, to again to scale higher. So for me, he wouldn't be one to, to back at short odds, but I'll be watching him with great interest. And I think it's an interesting move by Nigel Swiss and Davis, but I like to move it in rather than mm. um, the other pair who were last season's juveniles. I mean, he's obviously a, a novice hurdler. He was running bumpers, he ran the champion bumper and listed bumper last year at Newbury. Um, and he won at Worcester. On his hurdle and debut, it wasn't a bad race, although Halo Dozabowie was dead. He'd been beaten today at Newton Abbots. Was, he was beaten when fallen by a nice horse of Harry Fryer's called Mai Tai. Um, people might remember the Worcester race that I like to move it from um, as the runner-up Hermes. Boy, it was a big eye-catcher for Jane and Chester Williams. Came from way off the pace and just Nick second. He's definitely always to put in your tracker. So again, I'll be keen to see um, how I like to move it goes in respect to that form line. But um, as for Saturday... Yeah, I think Tritonic's probably the one, but it wouldn't be a horse for me. I'd be looking to back at short odds for all that. I'd like to see him win, and he's probably the most likely winner. I'm glad you mentioned I'd like to move it, because Chris Cook was tweeting earlier on that that's after a winner today. That's 7 from 25 for Nigel Tristan Davis this month, his best form for nearly two years. If you're going to follow him, now's the time. Yeah, he's in flying form. He's got, he, he got plenty out of the weekend, obviously. Um, one of the races for tomorrow, which we didn't touch upon, he's got a nice horse called Guard Your Dreams. Run. He was a decent novice stroke handicap hurdle last year. He carries top weight in the handicap hurdle tomorrow. So, um, again, he, he'd be arriving at Cheltenham, hopeful of a, um, collecting on his local track at some point over the two days. That being said, um, the fact that he took on Sir Gerard in the uh, the champion bumper got absolutely annihilated, and I know that you can make the argument that well, you know, champion bumper form is different to hurdles form, but well, it's tough for four year olds in the champion bumper as well. To be fair, and that true. Um, unless your name is Cucumber, and that 
Yeah, of course. He's the only one in the past 25 years, I think, who's won it. And if, but if you actually look at his second in the list of race at Newbury, the horse I just mentioned who bolted up today, Mai Tai was back in fifth that day, beaten favourite. He obviously raced too keenly that day. Um, but it wasn't a bad bumper at all, to be honest. So um, his bumper form wasn't bad at all for a four-year-old. So again, he's, he's, it's definitely an interesting angle because obviously after this race, he'll go back into novice company, whereas the other horse will be forced. Probably more than, and certainly if Tritonic wins, he's going to be forced into open company at some stage. So, but if you just let's say, if you just go back to that um, victory near Donna's Hurdle, it might have been the strongest race, but the visual impression he created from probably more the final 100 yards than anything else, the way he quickened after the, the final flight. Alan King's in Red Hot form, he's another um, trainer who's flying at the moment. So, there should yeah. be no excuses on that in that regard. Adrian Heskin was particularly positive about him when he interviewed him for the book, hoping that he, he still had high hopes that he'll develop into a proper grade one hurdler. So um, I'm pretty sure they'll be a, they'll be expecting him to win on Saturday. Okay. Well, we'll see how he gets on. Um, he was bitterly disappointing at Cheltenham in the end, 15 and a half lengths behind. But Ixios, um, Adagio proving to be the best of the rest. And uh, Zani here, who we basically thought was an absolute solid moral. Oof. No such thing as a certainty at the Cheltenham Festival. But I was gutted that he was taken out. I was really looking forward to seeing him running here. But I can understand why they go to Down Royal a week later instead. It makes more sense. But while Stephanie Causeway is the horse that I'm quite interested in, the fact that you brought up I Like to Move It and the fact that Nigel Tristan Davis is in such good form and the fact that Might I, who definitely pulled his chance away that day that you referred to, was devastatingly impressive in Newton Abbott today we're recording on thursday in the afternoon um i covered that race on, on Talksport too it was the last race that we covered live uh before the social and ade kicked in and he was absolutely sublime now it's it's one thing to go from winning a novice hurdle to proving yourself in graded company but metier did the same thing i'm not for a second suggesting he's going to win a grade one but do yourself a favor if you haven't seen it watch my eyes run at Newton Abbott today. It was devastatingly impressive. Uh, that brings us from the 2.55 to the 3.30, which I think is a really interesting renewal. It's the 888 Sport Handicap Chase. Sky Pirate heads the betting uh, for John Joe O'Neill, who is very much back in form, which is good to see. Nick Schofield uh, in the saddle. Sam Thomas and Sam Tristan Davis have got before midnight. And there's a number of others in there. Uh, it's a really, really interesting renewal. Uh, two former... Um, Graham Wiley, old favourites and Solar Impulse and Voidarev in there too but Sky Pirate is a horse that I'm going to be honest Paul, I found it difficult to get away from so uh, by all means provide us with the gravy uh, no, I don't know what to be honest when I started looking at the race I was kind of, uh, well, as soon as it had entry stage I looked at Sky Pirate off 159 and thought you'd probably find life tough but then as uh, the field's thinned out since declarations, um, I struggle. I can, I can see him going well. He's got a good record fresh. Um, he's still relatively unexposed as a two-miler. He only ran back at two miles the first time last, at the December meeting last year when he beat Iblio. He was off a mark of 134 then, so that shows you the progression he made. He bolted up at Warwick after that. Obviously won um, the Grand Annual off a mark of 152. So he's £7 higher, but this looks a much weaker race to me. And I say is his record fresh is good. He'll handle the ground. John Joe's in fair form. Um, just looking through at some of the possible potential um, horses to take on with, like you say, before midnight. And um, Belargus, been improving a little bit last year, but I think they've still got a big step up to make. Obviously, they're receiving a lot of weight here from Sky Pirate, but um, I, think, I think he might be up to the task of carrying top weight. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, the fact that John Joe Neal is back in form as well, just tells you all you need to know a Cheltenham winner and um, you'd like to think that he would be able to add to his course and distance success so I'm, I'm with you on it and I'm delighted to hear that you're in agreement with me because I, I thought I was being geez, I might just been completely unoriginal here um, but the, the more that before midnight has closed in the market the more that the 11 like he's fours the 11 to 4 about Sky Pirate then seems fair to me so I'm, I'm more than happy to go along with him. Um, brief mention of the Pretemps Network Handicap Hurdle. I don't think that any of these horses will be involved in the Pretemps Handicap Hurdle when it comes to the Cheltenham Festival. They may very well run if they're qualified, 
because their owner can have a day out, as Tim Carroll referenced on the Final Furlong podcast yesterday. Um, but we do have a former high-profile purchase in Panic Attack, who still has a bit to prove. And we've got Tully Beg uh, topping the market for Gordon Elliott, who has won his last two. Yeah, and I can see why he's favourite, to be honest. Um, but I'd agree with you that I'd be surprised come March if any, if any of these um, horses were involved, certainly in, in the uh, business end of the Potemps final. Um, I was just actually going to touch upon when we were talking about Sky Pirates Race. Hatch is a good example of a horse whose who's handicap mark has risen through the summer, so often we see it, and then they're left with a lofty rate for when the, the winter horses come out this time of year in the autumn. And he's off a mark of 150 against Sky Pirate, which makes life tough for him and can totally beg in a way is is similar in that um after his victories uh, in September and early earlier this month he's now on a mark of one one three six in Ireland running off one forty here um from the, the British handicapper. Of course it's higher in Britain. Of course it is <laughs> of course of course goes goes without saying. Um, but I think if he's ever going to win a race off one forty it's probably now when he's got a fitness edge he seems at the top of his game conditions are in his favour. I couldn't imagine he'd be able to c- compete off 140 when you get to the springtime. So I think this this is probably his big day in the sun, Tully Beg. So um, everything's in his favour. Yeah, I could see him can see him running a big race. Um, Gordon often does well at this fix. It is a meeting that he he tends to um, target and send horses over. Obviously, I think Galvin won at this meeting last year in the Three Mile Novice Chase race, which you might touch upon briefly in a minute. Uh, further down, if you're looking for something at a bigger price. Uh, could actually be a big day for Nick Schofield. He rides Butler's Brief. Um, he was one of another of his horses to follow in, in the book this year. He was quite taken with him. He won impressively last time at Bangor. He bolted up, actually. It was a fairly weak race, but similar conditions. Um, and he might well go under the radar somewhat. And one I just wanted to touch on at, at a really big price, right down the bottom. No. Um, personally, I don't, I don't normally look at a horse who's out the handicap. He's only one pound wrong. I still think this horse could be well handicapped. Um, judged on his point to point success, which I was impressed with going back about three years now. And the horse is Mustang Alpha. Um, he's switch yards from Jamie Snowden to David Jeffries. Um, first time cheap pieces, but it's I say it's back in the in May 2019. He beat a horse called Straw Fan Jack, who actually runs in the opening race. Um, the conditional jockeys race, which we spoke about earlier, he runs in that race off a mark of one three two, um, and Mustang Alpha's beaten him comfortably that day. I know obviously a lot of waters uh, passed under the bridge since then. And things haven't gone quite as I expected they would. I thought he would have turned out into a de- quite a decent purchase, to be honest. I think at the time he was in the point to point section of my book, um, but all he's had so far as a result um, is a win in a novice handicap at Hereford. But he does like decent ground. He's gone relatively well when relatively fresh in the past. So um, change of scenery, first time cheap pieces. I haven't seen him for a while. don't think it looks the greatest race by a Potemps, um, Potemps qualifier standard. So uh, I'd just be I'd be interested in him. I think he's around 50 to 1. And it's, I say he, he want, does want decent ground. So um, if the rain stays away, he might be just worth a very small interest. Widely available. At fifty to one, and Max Kendrick keeps the ride. So, let's go, let's go. Fifties from Paul yeah. Ferguson. Uh, yeah, he's actually he's owned by Max Kendrick's mum, Caroline Kendrick. Um, so she she bought him originally. So it's it's not as if he's been sold. It's just a change. Maybe they, they thought a change of scenery would help. Obviously, at that price, you know, you're, t- you're taking a chance, and he hasn't. But. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd be prepared to, to give him a small chance I'd say and certainly if, and even if it doesn't work out this weekend I'd see from that mark I'd be disappointed if, if he can't rekindle that form from a couple of years ago when he won his point to point he should be able to win a handicap at some point from his current rating there was me thinking I was being smart would push the tempo as the each way option but I'm deleting that now and just going with Mustang <laughs> Alpha because first of all I love Ford Mustangs the current model Ford you want to give me a Ford Mustang I've already, I've already done a deal with BMW and I'm after a bloody Ford Mustang now. What the hell? Um, but if Mustang Alpha can win, uh, we'll have that parked outside as well. Thanks very much. Um, 50s. And look, if the horse places, uh, right now, it's... Well, we're going to have three, but 
on the, the day, there's 15 runners. Someone's going to go four places. Someone, as long as they all hold yeah. up. Um, so fantastic stuff from Paul Ferguson. I love it. Um, respect to the favorite, but that being said, we want the 50s. Uh, should we give a brief mention to the 440 just because of our friend who's going to be on with us on Monday and Thursday has contributed to your book, the good Rory DeLarge, and uh, one of the horses he's mentioned is running. Yeah, yeah, in, in this year and Jumbo's follow, we've got a new section for pundit selections. Um, let's give a shout out to Martin Dixon there. He, he selected St. Palais, who was an impressive winner at Worcester yesterday. Nice one, uh, some good analysis in there. So Martin, Martin struck the pressures on the other guys now. Um, Rory's selection was Oscar Elise. He runs in the novice chase, three extended three mile novice chase, which is the four forty on Saturday. That's actually the race I was referring to. What Gowden won last year. Um, Oscar Elise obviously placed last year in both the Albert Bartlett and the Sefton um, at Aintree. He was twice the winner on heavy ground at Chepstow. Um, although he did win his Irish points on much better ground. And when I interviewed John Joe O'Neill for the book this year, John Joe Jr., he was he was quite adamant that he thinks he's a better horse on or he will be better also, as he showed in the spring on a bit of nicer ground. He didn't think that the, the heavy ground he won on twice at Chepstow was a necessity. Um, so I think conditions will suit. He's given away experience to um, the top couple of horses who were conceding eight pounds to him. Um, does he know was an impressive winner? I was at Chepstow that day 15 days ago when he won. Um, and obviously he started last season on a, on a roll and won at this meeting before returning to win the grade two. He likes decent ground, so he sets a standard, but I think giving eight pounds to Oscar Elite might prove just a bit of a um, a tall order to Kim Bailey's runner. So I could see Oscar Elite going well and probably making a winning chase debut, provided he jumps uh, proficiently. And Colin Tizard back in the winner's enclosure again today. So it's two from 22 now, I think. Uh, his horse investment manager winning today at, um, at Newton Abbott. So all is not lost. And out of the last four runnings, Black Corton... Little Rockefeller and Galvin in the winner's enclosure. So it's a race to note. Um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep a close eye. Um, will we talk about your favourite subject? Flat racing. The flat racing? Yep. Why not? Let's go. Yeah, we'll ignore, yeah, we'll ignore the bumper. We'll go, for a, we'll go for the Group 1 at Doncaster instead. So the Group 1 bumper at Doncaster <laughs> is sponsored <laughs> by John Dance. It's the Vertum Futurity Stakes. Uh, every now and again we end up in a situation where it doesn't clash with the Breeders' Cup and it's so great when it doesn't because it means we get Ryan Moore and we get um, the other fellow top jockeys uh, available to take part and he's on board a horse that I'm really excited about in Luxembourg and full disclosure I stated on the Final Front podcast after his debut that I'd backed him for the Derby and advised to do the same I think the price you could get was 20s uh, he ain't 20s now. And you look back at the Beresford. Aiden's won that for the last 100 years. Uh, I, I think it's 11 years in succession. Uh, possibly the only man to break that was um, John Ox with See the Stars. But it's a race he dominates. And the horse that he won it with last year was high definition. And Sarah Lynham and I had a disagreement on the show in terms of how we interpreted that form, she was very impressed with the way that he quickened up from the back. I just thought, you've just got there, and he just about got away with it, and I was never that really taken. That that's If you're a long-time listener to the show, or if you're a new listener to the show, you'll know that I was never on board with the whole high-definition thing. I could, could never really get my head around it. And I have no idea what they're doing with him. I don't know if he's coming back as a four-year-old, uh, or if he's being sold to another jurisdiction. Maybe he'd thrive in North America, maybe he'd thrive down under. The point being that there will be people who will make the comparison between him and Luxembourg because Luxembourg came from from the back as well. It's a very, very different comparison. High definition just got there. Shami Heffernan is a great man to educate a horse, as is Michael Hussey. And this horse won very easily on debut. I was quite taken with, with just how easily he won. And Killarney is a good track, and it's a track that Aidan O'Brien has introduced some really good horses in in the past, as has Dunica. Um, but the performance in the Beresford Stakes was spectacular. He's basically detached from the field the whole way through. And once they round the final bend of the Curra, Shamey goes, go son, show us what you can do. And he quickens up like that. It was rapid stuff. 
and um, he just found he wasn't just finding other gears. He's in sport mode. He's just cruising through and ends up winning really easily. Now, towards the end, I think you have a slight concern about how he finished the race. It wasn't so much how he finished. The actual, is the final 100, 200 yards or so was uh, the most impressive for me in the best of the stakes. I love, I, I love seeing a horse who's strong at the line and looks like he's doing his best work late on um, under any code. You know, I, I, that, that's one thing I always look for and he, and he certainly was there. He travelled really. It was just the only point um, when we spoke off air I, I was just referring to was just the point when he Shamey Effin and asked him to pick up I think it was and he, he came wide looked for a minute like his, his head it wasn't an awkward but it was slightly an unorthodox head carriage and I thought for a minute his tail looked like he was going to swish a couple of times and thought yeah we'll just wonder if he's got a kink in him maybe it could it could well have been greenness look he's only had two runs in his life so you've got to give these horses the benefit of the doubt but um, for me he looks the most likely winner but that, if you're thinking about taking a short price you've got to think about these things that's one thing the fact that the ground's going to be on the soft side he's never encountered soft ground but don't really envisage it being a problem. Say the way he's finished his races, he's always doing his best work inside the, the final hundred yards. So suggests that stamina wouldn't be an issue uh, by Camelot, who obviously won the race himself ten years ago, virtually ten years to the day. Um, yeah, I think I, I say I think he's very much the most likely winner, and probably the horse you want to see win. If from a purist point of view, rather like we were talking about with Tritonic Mountain back. Um, the other one I, I just wanted to give a mention to was uh, Donica's horse Sissoko who I actually seen um, he impressed me last week only one was made in last week when he beat a horse called Sun King who went off like a scalded cat in front and mm. Sissoko was the only horse that could really travel in behind him and, he, and he, he did travel really well and he picked up picked up really stylishly I thought and that was over an extended mile so um, on slightly easy ground so I don't think conditions will be too much of a, a concern for him obviously going up against proven um, group performers so it's a big step up in class but he's certainly one who I'd have my eye on in terms of looking forward to next year as a three year old I thought he I thought he looked on screen at least anyway that he had a bit of size and, and presence about him so I think the fact that he's coming back out just nine days later um, suggests that he's bounced out of his race well and and to kind of consider and strike him while the iron's hot, so to speak. Absolutely. And Wayne Lorden is on board for uh, Donica. So it's interesting that Gavin Ryan hasn't traveled. We'll, we'll deal with that in a second. But um, I was really taken with that performance because I'd heard Sun King. Well, I, was, I was intrigued with the whole Sun King situation because Sir Robert Ogden doesn't normally have horses in training with the lads. And and yet here's this horse at Bally Oil. And... Um, He'd run reasonably well on debut, and Sissoko absolutely blitzed him. I presume he's he's named after Momo Sissoko, the former Liverpool player. I'm I'm guessing that's the situation, but um, I was really oh, no comment from no comment from yeah, me there. No, not from an Everton fan. <laughs> not from an Everton fan. There won't be. By the way, I just beat you three two in Football Manager earlier on. But let's um, not let's oh, not dwell too much. On is, that, that. Is, that, is that why we're recording late? Is it? <laughs> Oh God! If only priorities, eh? Priorities, yeah, yeah. Priorities. Uh, football manager, forum study, talk sport, record. Um, final front of podcast, obviously. But no, I, I think Sissoko is a really good shout for you to to make, and a very interesting uh, introduction into the race as well. The fact that they're turning him out nine days after that win at the Curra, and look, Royal Patronage is in there. We can't not mention him. He beat uh, Caribus. Corbus, whatever pronunciation you want to go for. He beat him last time out, but Corbus threw that race away. And the good thing about him was, I was a little bit suspect about his temperament. I was worried that this horse was going to have an issue. Uh, but he was brilliant at Newmarket last time. And Godolphin have such strength and depth in juveniles. Charlie Appleby's probably going to win both group races at Newbury on Saturday. Uh, one of those is with the juvenile. But they don't have a, a juvenile here, which I, I think is intriguing. Um, but Royal Patronage, to me, is is definitely the one who is... He's the standard bearer. Uh, so he, he sets the form standard. But I still think Luxembourg is going to beat him. And since we spoke in pre-production, Luxembourg has gone from evens to a best price 10 to 11. 
He's odds on now across the board. And the lads do like a well-backed winner of a group one. So we'll see what he's like on the day. But um, he's my derby hope. And I think the line I had to Lucy was, I'd be devastated if he couldn't beat Manu Accord. But at the same time, I, I kind of wanted Manu Accord to be second because I wanted a reasonable form guide there. Because he, he's one thing about him is he's consistent. And uh, that was a fine run behind Atomic Jones last time out on Champions Day. And he blitzed them. He blitzed everything. It was a deadly performance. So I'm, I'm a big, big fan of his, and I'm, I'm glad that you're Team Luxembourg as well. But caution, Sissoko. Uh, it's going to be a, an Irish 1-2. You can do the, the straight forecast. Luxembourg beats Sissoko. And um, the Everton fan putting up Sissoko. I mean, what can you say? Uh, just a very brief word about the... Airfield Stakes, which is a Group 3 run at Leopardstown over a mile one, and that's why I was mentioning Gavin Ryan, the favourite for the race. You're basically dealing with co-favourites. So you've got Boundless Ocean for Jim Bulger, who ran a fine race behind Glown Thorn. Yes, he finished fourth, but he was only beaten uh, one and a quarter lengths last time out, and uh, that was only seven days ago in the Killavullen Stakes, and that was Glown Thorn very much back to the Glown Thorn that we saw at the start of the season. And I think he's a very exciting horse going forward for next year. Aiden's got Anchorage, who's a similar price. Fine. Um, and Duke de Sessa for Dermot Weld and Colin Keane. So they're essentially co-favorites. I'm very intrigued that Gavin Ryan stays in Ireland to ride Piz Bedil. you got to get that pronunciation right. Piz Bedil. I was very taken with his performance at Killarney. He was entered in a number of races and missed engagements. Um, he was then going to run in, in the Beresford and was taken out. It was Tom Bull and I were previewing that race. And he was taken out in front of our very eyes. He was in the market and suddenly he was remo- he was removed. Uh, and it turned out that um, they discovered he, he had a bit of an allergy. But despite the fact that he's been off the track since July, fitness isn't going to be an issue for him uh, because he's coming from Donegal O'Brien's yard. The fact that Gavin stays in Ireland, I think, is significant. He's a son of Ulysses. He's owned by the Niarchos family, uh, so obviously he's going to be impeccably bred by Ulysses out of an elusive quality mare, that which is not. He gave Ulysses his first ever winner as a stallion. Ulysses was a very late developing, typical Sir Michael Stout type. Uh, the fact that this horse could win on debut and win in the manner that he did, he cruised into the race. He cruised in into the race uh, with such ease. And then all of a sudden, Johnny Murch's horse looms up on the outside, challenging him. And he has to put out a really strong challenge in the final couple of yards, final hundred yards, we'll say. And he pulled it out of the fire. But I still think that he was going to win comfortably. The form of that race is... You, know, you can pick holes in it if you want to, but Buckaroo ran a fine race again behind Atomic Jones. Don Julio has since won and has now been sold. And um, shout out to the Leash Connections who have him. I have family in, in uh, Leash, Port Leash to be specific. So uh, shout out to Don Julio's new connections, who are the Duffies, and uh, best luck to you with them. But I really like this horse, and I like him long-term, uh, Piz Bedil. So he'll be in action in the Airfield Stakes at Leopardstown, which is a good card. The 10 past 5 over a mile and one, and I think Dunnick is going to win it with him, and he's 7-1. to one. I think that's more than fair. Um, there's a few maidens earlier in the day that you should keep a close eye on, but that's, in terms of tipping, that that's the, the last piece of advice that I would give. Um, there is, of course, something that you mentioned at the top of the show, your beloved Liverpool. Uh, Aintree is in action on Sunday and while we don't have declarations on Thursday afternoon uh, let's get your thoughts on who you think is going to win because I, I think there's a horse you're very very keen on uh, Yeah just, I'm looking forward to the card actually on Sunday we've had a good bit of rain here in Aintree this week so I don't think they'll have to water the ground I think it'll be um, perfect jumping conditions as is often the case that the ground is normally absolutely fantastic here at Aintree Um the maiden hurdle looks like it could be a good race, and I'd expect that to hold up quite strongly. So, uh, there's a couple of interesting entrants there. Doctor Ken, the nice horse of Ollie Murphy's, um, and Mister Glass, who won two novice hurdles for Paul Nichols and John Dance last year. He'd be another nice one. So, um, I think the maiden hurdle will be a race to watch, provided that say that it doesn't cut up, and there'll probably be plenty of subsequent winners out of there. 
And then in the novice handicap chase, which is the 4.45, as things stand at present, um, I just quite liked the, the race that Corrick Rambler ran in on debut um, up at Perth. It was won by Manella Trump, who has followed up since, and um, paid the piper, ran a sound race in second. He came out and won, albeit the, basically at the school round at Weatherby on his own, so you can't really call that a form, Franken. But uh, the race had a, quite a solid feel to it to me, even though one true being disappointed, I still thought. It was um, a reasonable piece of form, and Cardiff Rambler was definitely uh, running over an inadequate trip two and a half miles on decent ground around Perth. It'd be way too sharp for him. He won twice on softer ground over much further last year over hurdles. Actually, spoke to Lucinda up at Perth the day before when I was up there uh, with Weatherby's. We sponsored that day, and she nominated him as air horse to follow for the season, even suggesting that he could possibly turn into a Scottish national horse maybe this year, even as an office, or if not next year. Um, so, I don't mind. He'd, be, he'd certainly be interested over an extended three miles on a bit softer ground around Aitree. And despite only being beaten seven lengths, he was actually dropped a pound to a mark of 127. So, he's definitely one I'll be, I'll be interested in on Sunday if he gets declared. And I, and I assume he will do, to be honest. Can you just remind us of that name again. It's Korak Rambler, trained Excellent. by Lucinda Russell. Okay. So, is he going to be your best bet of the weekend? Um, well, I'd, I'd imagine he'd be. He'd be probably a better price to be honest but um, as we don't know for definite that he's going to run I'll probably I'll go with something that's going to run on Saturday um, I spoke extensively about him earlier I'm quite excited by him I like this run in France like the form really loved the way he done it at Kempton um, so Sam Arrive in the first race at Cheltenham on Saturday so he's fairly short enough but I wouldn't be surprised if he was contesting much better races um, later in the season or certainly in his future once he goes chasing I think he's got a nice future ahead of him but I did actually just want to touch on a couple of others and I didn't get a chance earlier I meant to a bigger price in that race in case anyone doesn't want to take 9 to 4 2 to 1 in a competitive 16 run handicap around Cheltenham horse called Timberman he's according to the market he's Fairglow Brian's second string but um, again if the, the ground is on the good side um, he won a couple of good ground but novice hurdles last year I think he remains on a, on, a, on a reasonable enough mark. I actually seen him school when I was at Fergals earlier in the summer over fences, and I think that you might well go chasing after this, but um, this contest was mentioned then. So it's obviously been a well-thought-out plat. And another one who, who actually noticed in the horse and training sale not so long ago, who switched from Alan King to Evan Williams, a horse called Blacko, further down. He was... He was uh, most recently seen over fences towards the back end of last season a couple of times in March um, but this time last year he actually he was sent off just 7-1 to one in the four-year-old handicap hurdler Chips to the race that I sponsor and he finished fifth that day he's a strong travelling horse who likes decent ground and he's £10 lower than that now he's dropped to a mark of 123 um, we've seen Evan do it well do well in the past with um, cast-offs from other yards and two-mile handicap hurdles and say so it was in he was sent off during favours with um, in Aramax's Fred Winter in March 2020, which isn't that long ago. His juvenile form is quite good. So he's strong travelling also, I imagine um, the big field will suit him um, on Saturday. He's, he's around 20 to 1, I'd say. Isabel Williams up with it being a conditional jockey race. So there is a couple of each way alternatives to the market leader, but um, Sam Reeves, a horse I like a lot, and probably one of the along with Oscar, he's probably the one I'm most looking forward to seeing on Saturday. See, when you said, I'm going to go for, I'll just give a quick mention to a couple of bigger price horses. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh great, great. He's he's going to do it. And then you completely ignore him. You ignore my oh, horse. I... My horse. A horse that I own. Sorry, David Pipe Racing Club. I own this horse, Nordic Combined, uh, for David Pipe and the David Pipe Racing Club. Uh, the WhatsApp group has gone nuts. And everyone's really excited. So, look, we'll, we'll see how he gets on. Like he, he faces a stiff task, but Fergus Gillard is obviously a, an absolute legend. And um, if he places, we'll be we'll be ecstatic. We'll be absolutely delighted. But it's it's nice to see him back in action. Um, by the time the race comes around, it'll be 134 days of a break. And um, I'm I, a recent. I must say a big thank you to the David Pipe Racing Club and to the whole team at the David Pipe Yard because they sent me their horses in training for the new season book. And damn, it's like a Coolmore brochure. It's unbelievable. It's so slick and um, really, really impressive. So um, I was invited to the open day and couldn't make it because of stupid, bloody COVID, damn, fucking COVID. Ah! 
But um, I would have loved to have been, been there. And thankfully, there is a, an invite from David for me to go over. And I will be definitely taking them up on that and plaguing Pond House. Uh, I can't wait to get there. But Nordic Combined is running. And that's, that's a horse that I have an honorary membership in. I have a horse that I myself have bought shares in running at Wexford on Sunday. And I'm as nervous as a kitten. I can't wait. I honestly cannot wait. Uh, I'd love to go, but again, because of COVID rules, I can't. Um, but to um, my fellow owners of the horse, of, of said horse, uh, best of luck. Enjoy the day. I'll be watching, and uh, I'm extremely excited, extremely excited to see what happens. And hopefully we'll be talking about that horse on Monday. Um so your your best bet is Paul Nichols' horse, uh, Samariv, in the one forty five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I say have a take, take, and take a look at Cotter Rambler at Aintree if he gets the clear tomorrow. Nice one. Uh, I will go with Sky Pirate for John Joe Neal, and I'm going to make this a lucky thirty one by putting in Piz Bedil and by putting in Luxembourg. That's how you can back Luxembourg. You can put them in a lucky 31. So there you go. That's the that's the lucky 31 for Saturday. And we'll see you in Dubai. Paul and I will be getting the first-class tickets. And off we go. Speaking of first-class tickets, if, if these winners keep going in for you, uh, you're going to put bookmakers out of business. They're just going to be done. Uh, Jumpers to Follow has already got off to a huge success. You can buy it at weatherbyshop.co.uk. So it's changed from Bet, Bet Trends. Bet Trends is still a thing, uh, but... Weatherbees now have their very own shop, and the first thing that you see when you go there is Paul Ferguson's jumpers to follow. So that tells you all you need to know about just how popular Paul's book is, about how essential it is to have as a guide for the National Hunt season. I wouldn't want to go into the National Hunt season without being armed with it. Uh, There's too much gold there. So here's what we're going to do for you. Weatherbyshop.co.uk, you can buy the book, you can buy what I have, the digital edition, which is available for your MacBook Pro or for your iPad or your Kindle or your laptop or whatever. Or you can buy the bundle. And in doing so, because you're a Final Furlong Podcast listener, as we said earlier on, there's a gravy train discount, which Paul Ferguson is... JTF21FF. Use it. Get the gravy and get yourself... I say buy the bundle. Have the book and have the digital copy. It's not that much. Uh, One thing I did want to touch on with you just before you go, and I'm under no obligation to promote this, but I'm fascinated by it, is your Jumpers to Follow 2021-2022 online updates. So this is where you give your latest thoughts on the leading prospects, you review the previous week's racing, you give us in-depth paddock notes. I mean, if there's anybody who is brilliant at paddock reading, it is Paul Ferguson. And you also give us updates on stable visits. You've been doing this for a while now, uh, and it's great to see it back again. So what can Final Furlong Podcast listen? Look, it's up to, literally, I don't have to sell this. This is not part of the deal with Weatherbees. I'm just mentioning it because I think it's really, really interesting. Um, So what can Final Furlong Podcast listeners expect to get uh, aside from what I've mentioned from your online updates for jumpers to follow on weatherbyshop.co.uk. Yeah, basically you, you've covered it quite well there. Um, it is essentially a diary of things I've done throughout the week. So if I've been racing any horses that have caught my eye in the paddock, usually in the bumpers or the novice hurdles, um, any eye catches from any races really throughout the week, I will review and preview um, any of the leading prospects who are entered in of the weekend ahead or who have run in the previous week um, suggesting reasons why why maybe they, they haven't won or, or where they could go next if they have or that kind of thing. Looking at the races in depth, where they run, um, looking at the opposition, the track, the ground conditions, so the suitability really of is everything in their favour, that kind of thing. So it's more, it's more um, there, are, there are tips in there from time to time and put, anti-post selections up and things like that but it's, it's more an analysis 
um, geese than anything else. And like you say, if visit any yards. So we've had three updates have gone out already. But if you do join, obviously you can read the, the past days of ones. That Corrick Rambler was actually one of, um, was probably, I think it was the first eye catcher I put up from the first um, edition from that Perth meeting. And the first the first issue was actually chock full of all the state, a lot of the stables who have visited throughout the summer. So there's a few additional younger horses following horses that have come from France and things from various yards that maybe didn't quite get in the book on time and they've been listed in there as well. So there's there's, uh, there's plenty in there anyway. Excellent. Um, just one final thing. Uh, horses that you've got listed as leading prospects, you'll talk about their chances coming up and whether or not you think that this is actually the day to back or whether we should hold Matt tough. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's it's um, it's all right saying throughout the summer these forty horses are going to win every time they run. Obviously, that's never going to happen. So um, it's a case of assessing the ground conditions, suitability, stable form, especially this time of year is quite key. Like certain yards will hit the ground running, whereas others, you know, from previous years and um, things like to build up steadily throughout the season, things like that. Uh, look at the opposition. Um, so it's yeah, it's more it's more. More detail about the race actually that the running in. So it usually it's an email that usually goes out on a Thursday or Friday with the weekend, and then any other horses of interest that I'll have over the weekend will get mentioned. But um, I'll tailor the, the weekly email depending on when the might be runner. So this week's, for instance, went out. Uh, what day are we on now? Thursday went out yesterday because a horse knew was supposed to run today. Obviously, was pulled out due to the ground, um, and the leading prospect running at Cheltenham tomorrow. So. It was it was better, obviously more um, better for the for the readers to to receive that once the decks have come through for those two horses. So, um, so we, we can tailor it during the week, depending on um, when horses run and things. So yeah, it's just basically a bit more detail than than you get in the book. Well, I recommend it. Um, the book is fantastic, and the book is packed full of detail. But the fact that you're able to get even more from that, and in our quest to beat the bookies and get as much gravy as possible, we need all the information at our disposal. And uh, Paul Ferguson's Jumpers to Follow online updates is a perfect partner to Paul Ferguson's Jumpers to Follow 2021-2022. Head to weatherbyshop.co.uk and get your copy now. And don't forget to use the final Furlong Podcast gravy train code. Get the gravy. And hopefully uh, we've given you some winners for the weekend as well. On Monday, Rory Delargy is here to review the weekend's racing. We will have a stable tour midweek and uh, then Rory's back on Thursday as we preview the weekend ahead. Uh, until then, thanks so much for listening. You've got a lot of content to listen to. If you haven't heard our interview with trainer Kerry Bryan, the American trainer of the ex-Irish point-to-pointer, the mean queen, who she took from the Irish point-to-point scene because her view is, why would I buy a horse from Joseph O'Brien? How am I going to improve him? Uh, so why don't I do what Joseph is doing and buy horses from directly from the Irish point-to-point scene? That's what she does. She's the first to do it in America, and it seems to be working out all right for her so far. She's crushing it. And a uh, real lovely person. So that interview is available for you now on Spotify and all podcast apps. And uh, we also had a long chat with our good friend Tim Carroll uh, because there's been a lot of talk and speculation about conspiracies that the Aussies, Paul, the Aussies don't want the Europeans coming over and winning their race. They don't want us coming over winning the cup. What a load of nonsense. Of course they do. It's an international race. They want international eyeballs on it. There is literally people who work, the head of Godolphin is on the board who signs off on, on the stuff. Uh, but we talk about the MRI and whether or not it's the right thing to, to be doing. We talk about the pressure that racing is coming under in Australia. And he talks very frankly about that. Uh, we talk about the ban on jumps racing in Australia, not everywhere, but there is a, a, a significant ban that's been uh, placed on jumps racing in Southern Australia. And that very well, that came out of nowhere so there's nothing to say it can't happen again. And um, we all we also talk about the COVID restrictions and his thoughts on that and how bad they are. Um, it's a podcast that rivals Joe Rogan for length, but I thoroughly enjoy chatting with Tim and I hope that you enjoy listening to it as well. And if we're going to talk about the Melbourne Cup, then the least we can do is have a conversation 
with an actual Australian racing expert instead of a British or Irish journalist who's going to look at it through British and Irish eyes. Let's talk about it with an Australian. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. And um, Tim speaks quite frankly on that show. So uh, enjoy that. Uh, you can support the Final Furlong podcast by clicking follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app it is you're listening to, like TuneIn, for example. Just make sure that you are subscribed by clicking like, subscribe, whatever it is. Uh, but follow on Spotify would be great. It's, um, it's a big leap for us to join Spotify. We're delighted to do it. And we're delighted that they haven't just said, no, you can't go on Apple. We're not on SoundCloud anymore. We had a great journey with them, but we are on Apple Podcasts. And that's where most of our listeners come from. Uh, personally, because Joe Rogan went to Spotify and that's the only place that you can listen to him on, I moved all of my podcasts two weeks after that onto Spotify. I find it really useful and I'm not just saying that because we're taking their money. I'm saying it because that's exactly what I do. Flagrant to it, Andrew Schultz, Brilliant Idiots, um, Football Weekly, Second Captains, uh, Breaking Points with Crystal and Sager, Tim Casts, IRL, uh, all that good stuff. I listen to all of that on, on Spotify. Uh, of course, the GOAT, Joe Rogan as well, all on Spotify. So listen to the Final Furlong podcast on Spotify. And um, that's all we'll ever ask of you. Just like, share, subscribe. It's the only thing we'll ever ask of you. And we greatly appreciate your support. Paul Ferguson, best of luck to Everton. Stay safe, my man. Thank you. Have a good weekend, everyone. Enjoy the action. And uh, have a great weekend. We'll chat to you Monday. Stay safe. Come on, Liverpool. Take care. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Final Furlong Podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app.